Okay, so we'll be continuing on with uh, Volume 7 of Bakano. So Tim finds Jacuzzi and the gang and also Dallas, and they're basically kind of talking things through. Just both parties kind of getting up to speed on each other. We can also see Tick, uh, not Tick, sorry, um, Tim, pretty interested in Chane. Now, Tim explains about the liquor of immortality. So Jacuzzi and Dallas, well, Dallas would know a decent amount about it, but Jacuzzi doesn't really know anything about it. So Tim proceeds to, like, explain it, raises a couple of eyebrows in Jacuzzi, obviously, because it's new information. He says that the the liquor is now not... Well, previously, um, because Zilla had got, like, eaten, um, they didn't really know what happened to the liquor, but it turns out that the Nebula Corporation actually took it and is stockpiling it. So what Tim wants is for Jacuzzi and his gang to assist them with an armed robbery. So they're not just like infiltrating and then stealing it. They're doing like an actual armed robbery. So it's a bigger job than they anticipated. And that's kind of how that scene ends. So not much to say about that scene other than the plot's kind of moving. Interested to see where it goes. Now we jump over to Tick and Maria. And now, obviously, they're both taking Eve and um, Fang as hostages. So that's the kind of situation we're in right now. They brought them to that abandoned factory that Jacuzzi, Dallas, and um, Tim were just in. But he finds it empty. So it's like, well, what's going on here? During the process where Maria is, like, querying what's going on, a knife gets thrown at her. And she kind of slashes it away. And it falls to the ground. So in the shadows, we see Chane kind of come out. And she looks to be pretty serious, and Maria also looks at her pretty seriously as well. So it's kind of like a stare-off. One of my favorite lines in this uh, portion of the story is that they say, like, a hair as red as blood kind of appears. And the second they said that, I knew it was going to be Claire. So this is really cool. So Claire and Chane are kind of, like, together right now. They're kind of enjoying a moment or something like that. And now Maria and Tick have arrived, and Claire's like, wait, Tick? Oh, so you're the messenger. So you're the person that the Gandor sent. Why'd they send you? And Tick kind of reveals that, well, they didn't really have anyone to send. They kind of just sent me. Either way, they kind of continue like a casual conversation, getting each other up to speed. But Maria's still very much looking on intently, and she looks at Chane and says, like, if you want to continue, we can continue. Um... Chane looks towards Claire, and Claire's like, oh, don't worry about her. She's pretty weak. Now, we know what Maria's going through right now. She's really questioning her ability to use a blade. She does consider herself weak. It does get, like, a real visceral response out of her. Just seeing, hearing those words, especially from Vino, someone she lost to. But the pain wasn't really there because the distance of power was so large. Like, Vino was so much stronger than her that losing to him wasn't that big of a hit on her ego. But losing to Adele was, because she knew. She knew she was a better fighter, but she lost because of the weapon and things like that. So in this current state that she's in, hearing Vino say, oh, she's weak, you don't have to worry about her, really kind of gets to a core. And Claire being as perceptive as he is, especially in those other scenes before as well, we can see that Claire's a very perceptive guy. Like, he can, you know, he can pick up on, like, instinctual responses and stuff like that. That's also the reason why he can actually communicate with Chane despite her not speaking. So, yeah, he immediately notices that Maria gets, like, a jolt in her body the second that he calls her weak. 
Now, moving on, Claire also recognizes Eve. Um, he was dressed up as, um, like, Felix, um, with the beard and all of that in order to ki- kidnap her back in, um, like, the fourth volume, though Eve doesn't recognize him, obviously because he had a disguise on at the time. Now, Claire does say something that makes, you know, Eve's ears perk up, which is he mentions Dallas, the person that Eve's been looking for all this time. The second he mentions Dallas, Eve is like, where's Dallas? Where is he? You know, she's been looking for him for so long. Obviously, the second that Dallas is mentioned, she would freak out and be like, where is he? Show me. Now, during this entire scene, we get an update from Jack. He comes running in, he's huffing and puffing and he can barely get it out. But he says that it all kind of went okay. Like the negotiations with Tim, Jacuzzi and Dallas went okay. And what's going to happen is that they're going to infiltrate the Nebula Corporation. So this seems to be the uh, the location where everything is kind of coming to a close. So I thought previously that everything was coming to a head at Millionaire's Row. But now that I think about it, that doesn't really make sense. Um, but this is really cool. I like that we're converging on like another location. I really like how the author does that. He always makes sure like all these characters come to this one spot. And then all this chaos happens. And you can't really wait to see what happens. Though in the previous novel, it was very much like... Even though all the chaos was at Millionaire's Row, it was very much like chaotic things happening for the sake of the next volume where everything was going to be expanded upon. So I think at Nebula Corporation, um, like at that place, this is now going to be a climax situation. So a lot of plot threads are going to be resolved and this is going to be like the end of this two-parter. I mean, we know it is because, you know, we only, we know just based on the covers of the volumes that this is just for two volumes like this story like what I'm trying to say is like I really like that we're getting like everything converging at this one location and this time it's going to be even more exciting because previously at Millionaire's Row it was more like setup and a lot of action now it's going to be a lot of action and also like a lot of storylines paying off so it's going to be really exciting now we quickly jump over to Christopher and he's talking with Adele and Adele's like shouldn't we prepare shouldn't we like scout the place um, so this is like the Nebula Corporation. Christopher's like, nah, screw that. I don't want to do that. It takes all the fun out of it. And he says something interesting, which is that he's looking for a kidnapper and two kidnappees. So I'm not sure what that means, but really keen to see where that goes. Now, Fira returns to Christopher. He tried to call like the Marcello family and be like, hey, Ronnie's being kidnapped. You know, something's bad happened to Ronnie. Something's bad happened to Ennis. And basically, Yagurama and the rest of them were like, dude, this is Ronnie we're talking about. It's fine. Just leave it. There's nothing bad that's happening. It's all good. And Fira's like, what the hell? Like, they're not helping at all. I guess i got to rely on these guys. Now, Adele says that she's seen Jacuzzi and Dallas in that day. And we know that to be true. Now, basically, after their little conversation, Fira comes to the conclusion that Jacuzzi and Dallas are working together. And we know that's, that this is true in a sense, but we know that they don't really trust each other. But Fira thinks that Jacuzzi's gang and Dallas's gang are full in cahoots. Now, he's been getting a lot of help from Christopher and the rest of his friends. And Fira just kind of throughout this scene and throughout other scenes, he has been querying, like, who are these guys? Should I trust them? How do they know this stuff? Especially all the how do they know this stuff? Like, where did they get all this information that's so useful to Firo? And what do they even care? Like, Firo's been thinking that the entire time. And he does actually question them a little bit. But regardless, the thing that he's actually solid on is the idea that Dallas kidnapped Ennis. 
Like, that part is unwavering. He's willing to question everything else, but that part specifically, he's like, this is what happened. So that's a pretty good window into Firo's thought process. And I like that Firo is not just um, kind of going, or take, getting taken advantage of by Christopher. Like, Firo is still questioning stuff. And we can tell that Christopher's really trying to make sure that he formulates things in a way so he can manipulate Firo in some capacity. Though I don't really know what Christopher's aim here is. I mean, we know that he has like a hundred friends plan, but like, is that all it is? Like, is there more to this? Like, now that we know that Firo is connected to someone that Adele has met, is Christopher in his mind thinking, okay, like, this guy could be someone we actually have to take out at some point? Not only that, like, Lisa mentioned that they would have to do something to Firo. So this chance encounter between Christopher, like, I guess, I don't I don't think the hundred friends plan is within Christopher's mind anymore. I mean, maybe it is, but he might be... With Fira having connections to uh, other characters and, like, like um, Ennis, Fira might be someone that Christopher is also wary of as well and actually just kind of wants to manipulate only. Like, he no longer really wants him to be a friend, essentially. Or maybe that friend's plan was complete BS to begin with and it was just something he was saying. I don't know, like, Christopher's pretty confusing. Obviously, more will be revealed as time goes, but for now, uh, I can only speculate. So we'll see where it goes. Now, this part is super interesting. So they're talking about Ronnie, and Adele's had, like, a interaction with Ronnie, and she says, specifically, Ronnie is more of an alien than Huey. He's not human. So this part was really interesting. Like, the idea that he's even more ethereal than Huey, who we now who everyone in some capacity does seem as, who does see Huey as something different, something something that can't be tamed, you know, like Huey kind of has this certain presence and he seems to be like the epitome of having that kind of presence. But after Adele actually sees Ronnie and sees what he's capable of or the type of person he is or the aura that he emits, Adele immediately goes, this guy, this guy's not even human. Like he's something else which is a really good way to like build up the mystery. And uh, well, I have some thoughts about who Ronnie is, um, but we'll, we'll see where that goes. Now, well, in the next scene, Ronnie thinks, how much should I involve myself in this? As he's kind of like touching his temple and looking at all these different visions or whatever he's doing. And this line made me think, this is the demon. So this is the demon that Elma asked to like look over Miser. That's why he's part of the Martillo family, because he's the demon. I, I think this is it. I mean, I, I, I sound pretty confident in it, but I genuinely do believe that he is the demon. Like he's the guy who's like looking on. And I think there's more evidence as we kind of go through the rest of this scene. For example, he tries to keep himself from not knowing the future. Now he's trying to keep himself from not knowing the future, which means he has the capacity to see the future. Now, that's a pretty huge ability. That's like, that's not, you know, like, that's not like alchemy or being a homunculus or whatever. That sounds like a completely different being, like something alien, right? And when I think of something alien, well, at least within this story or within the context of this story, the demon is the thing that stands out. So I think this further gives evidence for the idea that Ronnie is the demon. Lastly, um, we do get a bit more into Ennis's thoughts. Uh, she wants to see Firo again. She knows it might be like an awkward moment between them. But she also is very kind of um, focused 
on the fact that the spear woman, um, Adele, had uh, mentioned Zillard's name, and you know Zillard is someone who basically controlled Ennis her entire life. You know he made her basically. So just hearing that, and the fact that she still calls him Master Zillard, at least within her head, like she says that out loud within her head. So she he still has like a pretty significant hold on her, um, to some capacity. So. Her attention is definitely going there. Um, so yeah, we'll see where that goes. Um, I do think it's interesting that Ennis has um, some sort of uh, confrontation to have with Adele. And so does Maria as well. So I wonder if Maria and Ennis will also have like a bit of a scuffle. Just to add more to like the confusion when they get to like the Nebula Corporation. Um, but yeah, I'm keen to see where all of this goes. Now this is like the end of the like chapter. So the next portion is the final chapter. Like that's like the name of the chapter itself. So this is where everything's going to crescendo. And I'm really, really interested to see like where or like how everything kind of comes together, how all of the character development works. Like what's Maria actually going to learn? Um, Like does she like does she learn to like give up using the weapon or is it about her overcoming that? Like Adele hasn't gotten that much characterization. So she might be like, a villain that's kind of one and done for the sake of Maria and also for the sake of Ennis as well. Like, I don't know how important this character is actually supposed to be. Is she supposed to just be exited in the same way Goose was? I mean, I'm still getting that vibe, but I'm not 100% sure. But I'm really looking forward to those two things. I'm really looking forward to seeing Claire interact with Ronnie and Christopher. I think that's going to be really, really good. Um, And all these characters, so like Claire... Christopher and Ronnie, like having Fira in the mix of all of that would be really like that would be great. Like, yeah, now that I think about it, like what's Fira supposed to showcase in this um, like wherever in the in the crescendo in the Nebula Corporation? Like what's he supposed to be doing? Um obviously he wants to find Ennis. Um so I guess when they meet up, um that would be like a wholesome moment. But like where's the man, like this is too many points. I think me trying to guess what happens isn't really gonna It's not really, I don't know if it's a worthwhile effort, but either way, what I think overall is that this is going to be really exciting. Like everything's really kind of come together and it's going to be a climax. So it's going to be great. So yeah, keen to see what happens next. So we jump to Huey and Toc. These are just like little conversation lines that they've had kind of throughout, uh, I guess the time that they've been together. For example, we get um, just lines like the rat was your world. So Huey's saying this, to talk and then he's saying that I can be that too. I think there is this interesting line that really kind of stood out which is um after all I came from the world you seek. So Huey's saying that to talk. Now we don't 100% know if this is Huey uh, but it's pretty I think it's pretty clear that it is just judging from the interactions. Like we have heard from talk before saying that Huey now represents his world and that's kind of um confirmed a bit more just like in like the following chapter. So, yeah, I think I think this is an interesting tidbit. Um, now, right after, we get more from Tok. So, he says that he wants to take the world that's within Huey and then make it into the reality. He says that he'll change the world. And the impression that we get from Tok is that he wants to change the world in a way that it actually benefits him or makes him feel accepted within the world. So, we know from Tok he felt very different in the past. He didn't feel accepted. He's quite intelligent and part of that made him feel separate as well. 
Um, but he, and because of that separateness, he found a world within the rat. Um, and now with the rat being killed by Tick in the past, he found a world within Huey. But now he's in a state where he actually has power. He's kind of like a leader of a organization. So now what he wants to do is make the changes that he's always wanted to have for himself, make that into a reality. So that's that's kind of his goal now. But that's very abstract. So what does that actually even mean? Like how would he actually change the world? Um, that's that's a pretty big ask, right? So we'd have to see like how Tok would try to implement that. Um, that idealism is very like it's a very I. It's an ideal, right, to actually make the world into something that would work for you. So I think we can see a bit of like Tox naivety or Tim. Like he goes by Tim now. We can see him being kind of naive um, and really not having like forgotten the past. Yeah, despite how smart he is, um, is um, you know is trying to make the world work for him really a good goal. Or, like, he could, for example, like, change the world or make, like, a little ripple effect that would make the world better, that would actually make people accept people who are different more, maybe. Um, but either way, judging by uh, Tox's actions or Tim's actions, I don't think he's doing something like that. This seems to be more of, like, I'll make the world in a way that works for me. So I'm really curious to see how Tox changes, if, we'll, if he will, like, change his view on what it means to actually change the world for the better or if he'll double down on what he's thinking right now and maybe that is the right choice so we'll have to see where he goes with that but I thought that was pretty interesting now he does see something also super interesting which is that a like a really classy vehicle kind of shows up it's kind of a surprise because you don't normally see those kind of vehicles um, show up and if it does then you know there's like an elite inside of it so as Tox sees this he thinks to himself, who is this person? And then lo and behold, Senator Barium actually comes out. Now, if you'll remember, Senator Barium um, was actually having like a... I can't 100% remember fully, but it's like negotiations with Huey. Well, Huey was like captured and he was... um. Uh, I, I can't fully remember how that dynamic actually worked, but I know for a fact that Senator Barium was fundamental to uh, Huey's capture because in the uh, in the flying pussyfoot the black suits they like the lemurays or lemurs or whatever their name was they were all going after um, like Mary Barium and um, uh, and Mrs. Barium uh, because they were related to Mr. Barium who is the person who came out of the limo so this is definitely going to be pretty big I think and the fact that he has ties to this nebula corporations definitely makes me raise my eyebrow like What's going on here? Like, why would he have a connection with them? Like, why would Senator Barium have a connection with something to do with immortality? Like, that doesn't really make sense. Like, as far as we knew, he was just kind of like a senator. Like, is he special? Is he... Does he have, I don't know, like, certain aspirations? Is he actually knowledgeable about immortality to some extent? Um, like, Mary Barium and Mrs. Barium seem to know nothing. She was just... Well, from the little impression that we got from Senator Barium when... Rachel and him, like, they, like, meet up, um, you kind of get the vibe that Rachel immediately didn't like Senator Barium. Um, so I think this might be a good impression that, um, yeah, like, the rest of the Barium family might not know what's going on, but maybe this Senator guy, maybe he actually does know some stuff um, about immortality, or, or maybe it's just, like, a business deal for him, but he's definitely mixed up in stuff that's not 100%, um, I would say, legit. So, yeah, keen to see where that goes. 
Now we jump over to Christopher, Chi, and Firo. So they're basically at Firo's place. Um, they wanted to escape the rain. Uh, Shez shows up, and this was a pleasant surprise. I'm always glad to see Shez, especially after Light Level 5, where he became one of my favorites. I mean, I already liked him from Light Level 3, but I think he's one of the greatest right now. Um, but yeah, I'm really glad to see him. And he says something super, super interesting, which is he goes up to Firo and says, those guys, like Christopher and Chi, they feel like Ennis. Now, that's obviously going to give like pretty big alarm bells in your head, right? Ennis is a homunculus. So this this might confirm, I don't know. I don't know if confirm is a bit too much, but it definitely implies heavily that Christopher and Chi are homunculi. And that's a pretty big deal, I think. Um, I think this was pretty well foreshadowed. I think this is a guess that you could make pretty well as well. Like, I think there was a lot of evidence for it. Um, so this doesn't really surprise me, but I thought it was a good way for Shez to kind of also build the mystery where he's like, well, the only person other than Zillard who could do something like this or who would want to do something like this or it's most likely would do something like this is Huey. So we're really kind of building up this Huey character. He's very much... He's, he's kind of crazy, but then at the same time, you kind of want to like him in some capacity because, I don't know, maybe it's because he's related to China that I want to have some level of hope about him. But so far, no, no, I, I know why I want him to be kind of a good guy is because of his relationship with Elma, that he trusts Elma and Elma's the only one he trusts and I trust Elma. So I'm very keen to see what's going on with Huey. I'm hoping that, oh, well, based on how this novel's been going, I think this is more like here's Huey's band of crazy people, which is like Lava and Lamia. And as far as Huey is concerned, I think that might be like the next novel or maybe a novel down. Like, I don't think we're really going to be getting a lot into like Huey's character. Or he might be like an epilogue type of thing to get us excited to actually meet him. But I do think we're meeting him pretty soon, maybe just not in this novel. Like, not fully. Not like a full introduction. So now we can jump over to Jacuzzi and um, the rest of his gang. And he's with Tim as well. Tim explains that there's three laboratories in um, Nebula. And one of them is work is working on like researching the, um, the immortality um, liquor. So that's pretty interesting. I'm curious to see if like the other two laboratories will be like the settings for like different fights and things like that. Um, well, pr probably not. I mean, he might want to, or like the author might want to make the locations different just to, you know, to spice things up. Like maybe you wouldn't want like laboratory one equals this fight, laboratory two equals this fight. Like maybe you want one of the fights to be on like the ceiling or something like that. That might be a lot more interesting to actually read. Um, but yeah, I thought this scene was pretty interesting. One thing I really liked about this scene, actually, is that Jacuzzi's, he's pretty gung-ho. He, his plan is to steal from these robbers, and the robbers are Tim. So basically, when they steal the uh, liquor of immortality, he's not going to give it to them. He's definitely going to steal it for themselves and use it as some sort of um, leverage. Leverage against the Martillo family or the Gandalf family to kind of save his gang, right? Because they're under attack right now. So I really like this. I, I like that he's um he's using a lot of force and we it does state in the story that there's now a different glare within his eyes. So we know that he's not panicking as much and because of that he knows it's time to fight. Just like with the flying pussyfoot from back then, he's gonna come out on top and now he wants to come out on top again. Now, I'm a fan of Jacuzzi, so I do hope this happens. Um 
though I don't think it's gonna be like that grand of a coming out on top like um like the flying pussyfoot was like he legit like won that entire scenario in this one it might just be like like in some fashion I don't know how but he's going to resolve uh, the issue that his gang's in um I think that's gonna be jacuzzi's outcome it might not even be like stealing the liquor itself it might just be somehow through sheer vitality and the spring of events that actually happen, Jacuzzi is going to solve the problem for his gang and they're all going to be all better for it. Now we do end that scene with something kind of ominous. So we hear that in the mist wall that there's something kind of looking on pretty pretty crazy, pretty ominous. Um, I first thought this was Lisa, but then after the next scene, I was thinking, is this the twins? And it says that Jacuzzi's gang, they don't know what the hell is coming up next. So this is pretty interesting. It's definitely some homunculus stuff. Um, generally, when I think of something strange happening, I my mind immediately goes to like homunculi uh, because it's the easiest way to actually create characters or have abilities that are very out of the norm. Though um, Ronnie seems to be, in my opinion, the demon, and that's also another way to have really crazy abilities. But yeah, um, not hundred percent sure who's in the shadows, but my guess is. I don't think it's the twins, actually, because I don't think the twins fight or do anything like that. I mean, maybe they will later in uh, the story, but probably not right now. So if anyone's going to actually be, you know, kind of in the shadows in this mist wall place, then most likely it's probably Lisa, I think. Anyways, to the next scene. Um, so Ennis arrives at the Elvia and she's um, she says that Ronnie is with Isaac and Muriel. And they're going to Jacuzzi. So this is going to be really interesting. I do wonder if that is Lisa in the background. Then perhaps um, Ronnie will save Jacuzzi. Especially because Isaac and Maria are fond of Jacuzzi. And we know that Ronnie is also fond of Isaac and Maria as well. But Miser doesn't really know why specifically. Um, I think that's an interesting line. Because we might get just another line down the, uh, down the line of this novel. Just kind of showcasing why Ronnie likes Isaac and Miriam specifically. Like maybe they represent something. Maybe he just finds them fun to listen to. Maybe they're so chaotic that he can't, I don't know, guess their future or something. I don't know what it is, but I feel like that's foreshadowing for just a cool line um, just about Isaac and Miriam, which I think will be cool. Oh, I do wonder when Isaac and Miriam, like their past, which is like slightly hinted at before. I wonder when that's going to come into play again. Um, it has not been touched on at all, so... Very keen to see that as well. Now, Ennis is thinking, where's Firo? And she gets a call. Like, well, the place gets a call and she picks up and it's Lisa. And she says, we've got Firo. And that they're at the mist wall and that they want Ennis to come along and they want her to come alone. Um, this is obviously a trap. And to kind of sh further showcase just how much power this group has. Um, so Miser's concerned. Miser's like, hey, Ennis, what's going on? Lisa basically mentions uh, Miser. Well, she uh, talks about how he's dressed and says that the twins are watching and that they see everything. So this is pretty cool. Also, uh, the twins watching everything is very reminiscent of what Ronnie can do. But Ronnie can also like see the future or something. Like you get the vibe from Ronnie that he's like, uh, like he's crazy and super strong and probably that demon and things like that, right? Like he's like not even human. The twins are just kind of strange and... They still work under Huey, and based on what Adele said about um, Ronnie being even like more ethereal than Huey, I think we can 
pretty safely assume that the twins and um, Ronnie aren't like I don't know of the same species or anything like that. The twins are probably just more homunculi that have the power to always be watching. Just like Lisa has the power to always be in the shadows, and Christopher's you know got sharp teeth and red eyes, and I don't know what she does, but he's probably got something as well. So yeah, yeah, um, that's what I think. Um, and Lisa kind of drops the bombshell, which shakes Ennis to her to her core, um, and says, "I'm Lisa." And the others have inherited the will of Zilad Quates. Now, this caught me by surprise. None of this makes sense to me. So, I didn't see any connection between Zilad and Huey, like whatsoever. The idea that maybe the rest of Lamia would actually, um, or Lava, man, I get those names mixed up. Anyway, uh, I hope I figure this out later. But regardless, like, that's really strange that. They would be inheriting the will of Zillard Quates. Also, what does that even mean to like inherit the will of Zillard Quates? Um, one thing that kind of uh, rang like alarm bells in my head is like, well, what if someone tries to eat Firo? Then they would be trying to inherit Zillard Quates' will because they'd be kind of eating him and then getting his memories and all that stuff. So now I feel like Firo is in danger. I mean, I already thought that Firo was in danger, hanging around with someone like Christopher and. Lisa and all those other guys and Lisa even says oh maybe I should kill this person oh and there was like a connection between Firo and Huey and maybe this is what they mean like when they say like the others want to inherit Zillard Quates when they say inherit they literally mean to like eat Firo and but then if they want to do that they already have him so why not just eat him why would they need Ennis to kind of come over and I don't know cause more cause more trouble like why would they need Ennis there I mean yeah she's a homunculus so she'd have some sort of um like as in she was created by Zillard so maybe that connection is also important maybe this isn't a problem that's solved by just consuming Firo there has to be more to it like Ennis also has to be involved in some capacity to uh act out Zillard Quaid's uh like will or whatever I don't know I'm really not sure what they mean by they want to inherit Zillard's will. Like when you're inheriting someone's will, you're generally kind of taking over from where they left off. And we know from Zillard that he was a pretty heinous person. Um, and if that's what they're going to do, then this does kind of raise questions about Huey's character as well, considering these guys report directly to him. You know, like Zillard's a pretty bad guy. Does this mean that Huey's a pretty bad guy as well? This this is a, definitely a, like a wrench in um, where I thought the story was kind of going. Like I really didn't see them inheriting Zillard Quaid's will, I saw them as being interested in Zillard Quaid's um, to some capacity. Like, that would make a lot more sense. But now it's like, well, Adele, when she mentioned your Zillard Quaid's is da-da-da to Ennis, now it makes it feel like, okay, like, these guys are potentially fanatics about Zillard as well. Um, I might be, like, overblowing this, um, just this one line. I, I'm sure there'll be more revealed later. Um, but yeah, I thought all these scenes were like really, really good. Um, I'm definitely like really hooked right now. Um, I'm really keen to see what happens, how all these character plot lines kind of come to a climax and, um, yeah. So the next part was pretty crazy, like really intense. Lamy's group puts a wrench into Tim's plan and brutally murders a bunch of Nebula Corporation employees. Though I'm getting a bit ahead of myself. We start off with the announcement that one of the Lamia's companions are watching Dallas. 
it was pretty obvious that they're talking about Lisa in this situation, especially with her appearing later on. We zoom in on Firo for a little bit as well, and Christopher comments on how Firo isn't in awe around them, or thinking about the people around him and thinking they're strange. In fact, after hearing that, Firo thinks to himself that he's gotten accustomed to those that are kind of crazy, and he doesn't like that this is the case. Naturally, when talking about those that are out of the ordinary, Isaac and Miria come to mind, and he smiles a little, wondering what they're doing. He regrets chewing them out for the dominoes earlier. He's in a very bizarre scenario now, and he's only just registering what he's doing. Following from Fira reminiscing, Adele asked him for the location of Dallas's whereabouts specifically. Fira, upon hearing this, jets off and goes to find his opponent. In the silence after Fira has left, something strange happens. Chi and Adele squint their eyes and then they smile a bit, kind of wickedly. It's a strange moment that showcases the inherent bloodlust that each of the Lamia members have within them. Christopher continues talking to Tim and taunts him. He tells him that Tim doesn't need to know what Huey is after or wants to do. Also, that Tim is just playing it safe. He's intelligent, but by no means a genius. Just a poor imitation of Huey. That he should leave the genius to him. And that's where the craziness begins. Christopher stabs one of the women, and so does Chi. Blood gushes out from their throats and their mouths, and they shoot them too. In fact, they just start a massacre and bodies start piling up really quickly. Lisa joins in as well and creates a pool of blood on the floor. During the disorientating chaos, Tim puts together what they're doing. That they're only killing Nebula employees. No other bystander died, it was just them. Tim is confused initially. Huey wouldn't involve anyone who isn't considered a guinea pig. He wouldn't be cruel to random people, that's not his style. Though he is very quick to put this together, Tim is, that the entire Nebula Corporation is now a part of Huey's experiment, that they're guinea pigs now. Tim is confused, but he does have a devious smile by the end of it. This moment serves as a way to further kind of keep, like, commit to his own convictions, to his loyalty towards Huey. He says to himself that he left his past years ago, and that this is the path that he has chosen. After reaffirming himself, he peers at the clock on his arm and sees the clock strike 11, and right on cue, smoke is released from Jacuzzi's gang and confusion envelops Mist Hall. Now, I think this entire scene was crazy, like really out there. I wasn't expecting things to get so bloody for the Nebula Corporation itself, like so quickly. I mostly thought it would just be random battles with some of the main characters, but this plot surrounding Huey's intent for the Nebula Corporation is really interesting. We know that Senator Barium also arrived at the Nebula Corporation, and with him being involved, there might be some shady stuff that's going on at Nebula as well. I don't think the Senator would just arrive for no reason. Huey's decision to annihilate the entire corporation must be done with a specific goal in mind. A goal that no one knows, to be honest. Either way, I'm really interested to seeing like where this goes. I really enjoyed this section, and it feels like the stakes have really risen. So, uh, with the scene, um, basically, we get some information about Miss Wall. Um, apparently, because of the immaculate food and the view, 
um, of the place. People from like a variety of social classes tend to come to this place. Um, you know, people who are really wealthy and can buy expensive stuff, they tend to come here, which might be one of the reasons why Senator Barium actually came along. Now, it could be the case that Senator Barium is actually into like the shady stuff with the Nebula Corporation, or he might actually just be there for the food. We don't actually know. Um, but I think that could be like a good reason that the author gives to be like, hey, this is why Senator Barium is here. Uh, that's like the little reason. And then it's just a way for him to kind of be, now that I think about it, he's probably got like a bigger purpose. I don't know. We'll have to see where it goes. Now, we move up within the building and we find um, Jacuzzi and Nice and Johnny and they're all just sitting at a table that was actually for six, even though they're three people. Um, and a waiter comes up. Oh, actually, prior to that, um, Jacuzzi's freaking out, as always. Um, he's switching between the menu that's in front of him and outside, and he's very nervous. A waiter cup comes up and asks if three other people can sit with them, and he says yes because he doesn't want to seem weird about it, but then Ronnie appears, and Jacuzzi gets pretty scared because Ronnie was very intimidating last time at Millionaire's Row. Not only that... Um, Isaac and Miriam pop out as well and a very stark difference from what he was expecting. He thought the other two people would be, you know, just people he doesn't recognize or maybe like Ronnie's lackeys because it's a tense situation for Jacuzzi right now. But to see Isaac and Miriam, it's like, wait, why are you guys here? And we're like friends. Um, Dallas is also in this place, kind of sitting far away from Jacuzzi and he's looking and he's pretty pissed off. He's like, why is Isaac and Miriam there? Well, he says there's a couple who hit him with a car and he seems pretty mad. You know, for a second when I heard that, um, like, why is the couple who's, um, why is the couple who hit me a car, hit me with a car there? I thought it was Zillard. I was like, wait a sec. Like, he's dead. Like, there's no way it could be him. Um, I lost my mind for a second, but yeah, it, it makes sense that it would be Dallas. Um, and then Fira appears, which is really, really good. I was really looking forward to Fira kind of, um, yeah, like having a conversation with Isaac and Mira and, Ronnie and hopefully um, Ennis soon as well. Um, Dallas sees him and kind of goes into a fit of rage, obviously to Dallas. Um, Fira is kind of like the Antichrist. He absolutely hates him and he wants to destroy him in any way possible. Um, though, just after like a small interaction, Dallas gets pinned to the ground swiftly, which was super satisfying. And he calls, um, like Fira calls Dallas weak too, which is... A good word to describe like Dallas's insecurity or to like get a, um like to basically hurt him where he's really vulnerable because Dallas was feeling very like very insecure at the fact that Fira is a fuller model and he's just a half model and that he can't do anything to the guy. Um but none of that even matters because Fira is just a better fighter than him and he can just pit him to the ground. Um Maria was also called weak by Vino and she felt insecure and now we have Firo doing the same thing to Dallas. I wonder if there's like a thematic connection between the two in any way. Um, though I'm not sure about that. One thing that was really really funny was that Ronnie was hilariously disappointed that Firo cared mostly about seeing Ennis and not him. I mean you know like that's to be expected Ronnie uh, but it was just it was just funny like he's just like damn. He wasn't thinking about me. Damn it. Um, also, he sees like the carnage that was made by Christopher and his gang. Um, so Lamia. Um, and he does this by like pressing his temple. So he's clearly going through like the snapshots or like the film reel that's in his head where he can see like different scenes from far away. Though we do find out that he's enjoying it. 
That now that seems to be like a very demon-like thing to do. So once again, not 100% sure he is the demon, but it does have a very demony vibe to it. He also says like all the players are nearly all in place. So he wants all the players to be in place, but then he's also frowning at the fact that there was a lot of carnage in the floors below by Christopher. So his motive is kind of confusing. Like, does he want to have everything come together in a cool way? Has he been looking at the board the entire time? Like, why was it a surprise for him that Christopher did some sort of heinous act? If he can see everything and he can also see the future. Um, Like he says, all the players are in place. So that implies that he can see the future in some way. Like he's using that ability, right? So, but then in like a previous scene, it seems like he didn't want to like spoil himself. So I don't know. I don't really know what's going on. Um, But yeah, it's a really good scene. Pretty interesting keen to see what happens next so yeah let's uh let's jump into the next scene so at the entrance hall uh once again um sorry not entrance hall at miss hall entrance once again we see um like vino chane eve fang maria and tick so now it's their group and this was a great scene um so vino convinces eve not to go in um to like save her brother because she'll be putting like fang in danger so it's a pretty smart way to get Eve out of trouble we don't want her getting captured or getting hurt or getting shot or anything like that Vino says slash promises that he'll bring back Dallas alive now Maria apologizes to Eve for taking her hostage and um, turns out Eve almost forgot about that Maria says um, like Eve didn't cry or anything like you're going to be strong and beautiful because of that because she has that kind of resolve within within herself Eve says it's because she thought that Maria was Luck's friend, so she would be fine. Maria says thinking like that is kind of naive and will do her in one day. Eve says with resolve that that's all good. Maria is impressed by the resolve in Eve's eyes. Um, she thinks that like if she was a child or when she was a child, um, that if she was like that as well. Maria considers the notion that the, like the spear woman, Adele, and her could take each other out but then Eve tells her to do her best. It was like the affirmation that she needed to hear um, to decide to actually realize that taking each other out wasn't a good option, that she actually had to win and she had to beat her, essentially. After gaining like genuine conviction, she smiles like she did before, like prior to Maria suffering from her defeat. Um, we see that genuine smile that she had before and that enthusiasm. And her previous smile comes back and we get a really great image of Maria waving to Eve. Like, it was a really good scene. And yeah, personally, I love this scene. Like, the smile was drawn really great. But this also seems like Maria's gaining a second wind. A wind that's pushing her to not give up and to actually push her through the problem. It might be the wind that she needs to actually find the solution to this spear person problem. I'm curious to see how Maria changes down the line and... I hope that through Maria, like, Eve can get in touch with Luck more as well. Like, Luck's pretty standoffish. So having Eve, Luck, and Maria all know one another would be, like, a really good dynamic. Like, I would like to see all three of them kind of just hang out and see what kind of vibe that they all have. Like, Luck might try to put up, like, a like a shield, you know, to kind of keep his no-nonsense kind of personality going. But then with Maria being as chaotic as she is, like... Eve would be like respecting Luck, but then at the same time uh, laughing at the fact that Maria's probably giving Luck a hard time. You know, I can just kind of imagine it in my head that I feel like 
their dynamic would be really solid. Uh, now we jump to Vino and Maria, and Maria wants to cut down the emergency door that's before them, but Vino takes her hairpin and tries to unlock it. Though Vino at this moment, like prior to him unlocking it, feels like a strange presence behind him, and it's someone in a black suit. And she walks to the next door over and slams her left, like her her leg into the door frame. It's so violent that apparently it felt like it shook the whole building, and it made like the door kind of fall inward into the building. She looks around, and then the thing she's looking for isn't there, and then she makes for the elevators. Now, in this scene, I was thinking, that's probably Ennis, like no one else is going to be in a black suit. That being said, I didn't know Ennis was that strong. Like, I knew Ennis was somewhat powerful, but I didn't know she had the power to like destroy a door with that much strength. She would have, like, she would have, like, this strange aura because she is a homunculus. But yeah, either, either way, um, Vina gets jealous of seeing that kind of strength. She, you know, like, he's also trying to open this door and doing it in a subtle way. And then he sees this person in a black suit just kick the crap out of a door and push it inside. So he feels like he's being upstaged in some capacity. Um, though China does say something to him. We don't know what she says. Um, but it's clear, like, after a bit of the interaction kind of unfolds, that they're flirting with one another and Maria is just kind of rolling her eyes thinking like how the hell did I lose to this guy I thought this scene was pretty hilarious as well but yeah that's the end of where I'm up to right now I thought both these scenes were really really good having a really good time with this volume um yeah everything's really coming to a head in Mist Hole uh Mist Wall sorry and I really liked that Fira and Ellis met so early like I thought that might be like something later on uh, but for them to meet really quickly and for Fira to just pin him down like that, I think that's, yeah, that's just, like, it's very interesting because now I don't know really where their kind of plot is going. Like, Vino, Vino is obviously trying to find uh, Dallas for the sake of Eve, so Dallas probably isn't going to get killed. Like, if Vino says, yeah, I'll save this person, Dallas probably is going to get saved. Like, he's not going to get, like, eradicated all of a sudden. That being said, if Christopher does try to kill Dallas for some reason or try to kidnap him for some reason, I mean, yeah, like a lot of trouble will be made because Christopher is that crazy. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty hard to guess what's going to happen next, I think. I can't really figure it out right now. But, yeah, I'm just going to read and see what happens. So, yeah, so far, so good. Keen to see the next scene.